Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of the Title IX podcast on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. I am Steph Copley, and moments ago, I was joined by the head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team, Vlatko Andonovsky. I got to meet Coach Andonovsky at a Chiefs game earlier this fall, and I mentioned to him that I'd love to have him on the podcast, thinking that would never happen. But through a friend, because it's all about who you know, after all, um, we were able to make that happen today. So just a little bit about Coach V before I get into the interview. Before being named the U.S. Women's National Team head coach in 2019, Coach V was a very successful coach in the National Women's Soccer League, which we talk a lot about on the Title IX podcast. Coach V led his teams to National Women's Soccer League playoffs in five out of the seven seasons he coached in the league, including two championships with uh, Kansas City. He was also a two-time National Women's Soccer League Coach of the Year. As head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team, he won the 2020 CONCACAF Women's Olympic Qualifying Championship and the 2020 She Believes Cup before the world shut down due to COVID. But things have picked up very quickly. And earlier this year, in 2022, he led the U.S. Women's National Team to another CONCACAF championship and is currently prepping for the team to uh, head to the 2023 World Cup in New Zealand and Australia. Before I get to the interview, I want to give thanks to our friends at Cody Road for fueling the network, to our friends at Wild Rose Casino for sponsoring the feed, and to the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State and Hopewood Law for sponsoring the Title IX podcast. We couldn't do these episodes without them. Thank you so much, and I really hope you enjoy the interview with Coach Vladko Janowski. Coach, thank you so much for joining me. It's an incredible pleasure to have you. Yes, thank I you very much for having me here, too. Absolutely. So I think the first thing I wanted to chat with you about was your journey to the head coaching position of the U.S. Women's National Team. I know in 2019, you were named the head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team. But before that, you were a player in Europe here in the U.S. And then you eventually had a very successful coaching run in the National Women's Soccer League. So tell us about your journey from being born in North Macedonia, former Yugoslavia, to ending up here, your head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team. Yes, uh, it, it was uh, wild, uh, and it actually happened uh, too quick, uh, I think, uh, now when I look back. Uh, but uh, it was exciting, an exciting journey. And uh, what I love uh, the most about uh, the way I, uh, I I grew through the ranks or I, I was uh, uh, advancing through the ranks is that uh, I literally started with uh, U6, U7 now, uh, recreational team and really? then, uh, yeah started coaching a very young uh, group of uh of girls and then uh, ended up coaching a little bit older uh, older girls and then uh, uh coached uh, women uh, obviously in the league and then uh, uh, the uh, the national team now so I've seen it all. I, I've been through everything. I've seen it all. I've been in every league, what is U.S. Uh, Youth Soccer National League, ECNL, uh, the regional leagues, uh, ODP. So there, there is no uh, there is no program or event that I haven't been in the country in the youth soccer, in the college game as well, and uh, professional soccer, and now the national team. That's incredible. So uh, I grew up in Western Iowa, rural Iowa. And when I was a kid, soccer just didn't really exist. Youth soccer didn't really exist. And, you know, I have two daughters and yep. now it's like every kid around the block plays. So 
how do we continue to grow soccer in the United States and um, beyond just the U.S. Women's National Team? But I feel like the the National Women's Soccer League has exploded even since you were done coaching in 2019. And how do we continue that trajectory and momentum here? Yeah, so it is very important that first the game is available to uh, to everyone, and um, uh, we see that uh, now. Actually, I was just uh, downstairs uh, watching uh, watching uh, Newcastle and um, and Leicester. So we see that uh, also the game is everywhere around us. The, uh, you know, I remember when when I first came here in the country twenty years ago, twenty two years ago. We couldn't really see lots of soccer games. Now we, you know, the game is around us. We talk about the game. You know, being in Kansas City, we are gonna have a, a World Cup games here in 2026. Uh, uh, we're, you know, we're gonna host the World Cup. But the, the game is growing. The game is is getting bigger. The game, uh, the game is. Um, is uh, becoming part of our life, and uh, now uh, that, that that's the first thing is that uh, that uh, there is a buzz about the game. But then, like I said, it has to be available to everyone, uh, uh, and uh, we have to make sure that uh, that uh, it doesn't uh, become a a game just for a selected group of mm-hmm. uh, group of players. So we gotta we gotta make sure that uh, it is. Uh, uh, it is there for anyone that wants to play the game and uh, uh, another another thing is we have to educate uh, the, the young uh, we have to educate the young uh, young players young coaches but also have to help them fall uh, fall in love in uh, fall in love with the game uh, develop a passion for the game develop uh, uh, d- develop a, a relationship uh, with the game, and uh, obviously, as a as a unit, uh, everybody involved in the game that is on the uh, on the supervising side, that is uh, on the organizing side, we got to create a safe place so we know that uh, when the um, when parents, uh, guardians are bringing uh, bringing uh, their young ones uh, into the game, they know that this is a place where they they can uh, they can live their uh, live their kid uh, and. Uh, the kid is gonna is gonna have a good time and enjoy and uh, grow and develop uh, in uh, in the game of soccer. So, do you um, you said you coached U six and U seven? Does it scare you a little bit that it becomes so serious and so competitive so early, or do you think that's a good thing, or maybe is a, is it a little bit of both? Yeah. So, so personally. Uh, I think that uh, it needs to be fun to begin with. Like mm-hmm. uh, before, any, before anything else, uh, the, the 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 players, the, the kids starting to play this game, have to fall in love with uh, uh, with the game. Uh, have to develop a passion uh, uh, to the game. They, they have to they have to connect with the game. And uh, if we if we organize. Uh, Competitive leagues and and tournaments and uh, we 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 make it all about the 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 score and the wins and, and loses losses then uh, that's uh, that's what draws players away allow them to to uh, to fall in love with the game allow uh, allow them to to grow into the game the competitive side will come uh, will come as we go and obviously we do want to develop the players we want to develop uh, winners we we want to develop competitive spirit but there is time for everything 
You also mentioned making sure that there are safeguards in place to make sure that the kids, um, you know, who are starting at a younger age are safe. And I think over the last year or so with the Sally Yates report and then more recently the independent report um, from the National Women's Soccer League and the Players Association showed that we haven't been doing that as a country. There's been some um, very serious allegations of harassment, abuse, and how how do we as fans and from my perspective as a parent with little girls in soccer, how do we move forward from that and ensure that that is something of the past and doesn't become um you know, something that is just part of soccer going forward. Yeah. So, so first, you know, you mentioned the reports and uh, I mean, uh, any, any time I, I have to talk about uh, the, the topic, it just brings uh, sadness yeah. uh, and uh, you know, and I guess it just brings empathy for all the players mm -hmm. uh, that were involved. I mean, one of those players, I, I, I had a chance to, to chat uh, personally, um, just a few days ago, she is now hired uh, to to work for the uh, U.S. Soccer Federation, and I, I want to say I have a tremendous respect for for the bravery of those players who who spoke out and uh, for the players who participated in report. But uh, also, we, we we have to understand that. Uh, uh, Soccer is a game we love, and yes. and it should always be a, a safe space, uh, no matter what the level is. Uh, and uh, it's uh, all of our jobs to do our parts to make sure that uh, no one has to deal with uh, what these players dealt with. And what what I respect about this, uh, that that, and I mean, I, I what uh, what these players did is not that they spoke out to punish the ones that did wrong that's obviously that, that's a no uh, no brainer right. but also to make sure that everybody understands what the standards are yes. and what needs to be done if if anyone even thinks about it or anyone even uh, sense any kind of insecurity what are the the channels uh, to for communication how do we deal with that so that's uh, that's why this uh, this report was important yeah. And I think that is, if you can find a silver lining out of that scenario, that absolutely is. So how do you and your staff at, at the highest level in the world, the U.S. Women's National Team, how do you empower your athletes and ensure that they're having fun, they're being competitive, and at the same time, you know, they're, they're doing the things professionally outside of soccer that they want to do and that makes them happy? What are the things that you do as a coaching staff? Yeah, we. Uh, I mean, uh, first and foremost, we involve them in uh, in everything. Like uh, we have a leadership group, but also uh, the whole team that that is involved in a lot of decisions that that we make. I mean, in uh, I've uh, spoke a lot about uh, some of the leaders that, that that we have on the team and how much influence uh, they have. We uh, we have players on the team that are leaders on the team that uh, probably not don't play as much as. Uh, uh, they've played in the past, but they're on the team because of uh, the what they do and how important they are uh, uh, because of the role that they have as a as a leader. And um, uh, now we do communicate with uh, with the players a lot. We uh, involve them in the decision making process. We allow them to 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 speak out. I mean, uh, even to the point where sometimes uh, I've been in situation where, when uh, one or two of the leaders come to me and say. Uh, coach, uh, and actually, the, one of them always calls me boss. Like, hey, boss, <laughs> I, don't that's a, that, I don't think that's a good idea. What do you think about this? And so that, like, they they're empowered and they feel comfortable in in the environment. They feel comfortable coming to me and say, 
no, I don't think this is a good idea for the team. We should we should try uh, and do this different uh, for whatever reason. And I'm not talking something about the game itself, like you know, in the environment outside of the game, travels uh, uh, in the hotel. So they. Uh, uh, like I said, they're they're empowered and they feel comfortable to do that. And it's not that they just come in and say it. We talk about it, we analyze it, and we make uh, we make a group decision. So, I uh, we we do anything possible that uh, to make them feel uh, first to 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 create a safe environment, but also to make them feel uh, safe in the when the, when they speak up and uh, make sure that they understand that their voices are heard. Can I call you boss through the rest of this interview? <laughs> <laughs> Only one of them, actually. Uh, one of them, but uh, she, she says it because she's joking with me. That's great. So you have a... Let's see I don't if you can guess you, who that is. What's that, coach? Let's see if you can guess who it is. Mm-hmm. Megan Rapino. Yes. <laughs> That's her. <laughs> I had a <laughs> hunch. <laughs> yeah. She's like, Hey yeah. boss, I have a question for you. Like, okay. There's a reason like, she's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> she's awesome. She's brilliant. Uh, brilliant leader. Uh, like I said, uh, great for the environment. Awesome soccer player too. So it's uh, great to have her on the team. And it's fun to watch her explore things beyond soccer while she's still playing soccer i mean is there anything that woman can't do i'm convinced there's not yeah absolutely i mean uh, she's really good like i said on the field off the field good for the team good for the community good for your for uh, young uh, young players getting into the game so good for the good for the coaches too (laughs) absolutely (laughs) she's great so you have a pesky little world cup coming up i don't know if you i don't know if you know <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for reminding me. Yes, of course. So you, I looked at your schedule. You have some upcoming friendlies um, in late January in New Zealand. Then you have the She Believes Cup in February, and then the World Cup is right around the corner um, this summer. And it feels like it's going to be here before we know it. So, what do the next months of preparation look for like for you and your staff and the players? Yeah, so uh, for us as a staff uh, and the players, uh, the the preparation for the World Cup started after the second game in the CONCACAF when we won against Jamaica. On the way back, uh, we started talking about game three, but we actually said, okay, how is this preparation going to help us win the World Cup? So every every game that we played uh, uh, after that was uh, to win the game, but also how is this going to prepare us uh, to win the World Cup? So everything that we that, that we do, whether we play a game, training, meeting, uh, or in prepare in between, uh, it is uh, to prepare us to be the best uh, the best that we can uh, in the in the seven games uh, in the World Cup. So um, it's going to be a busy uh, busy spring for us, and um, we understand that. We have uh, several games uh, lined up, some great opponents. Uh, so we want to test uh, test the team in the in the best possible manner. Obviously, first we go to New Zealand. We wanted to acclimate uh, or actually try to adjust to to the to the travel mm-hmm. and uh, the way we're gonna the way we're gonna play the games. Actually, the uh, we're gonna play first in Wellington and the, the then we're gonna play in Auckland. Even though we're gonna base in Auckland in this camp, so what we're what we're trying to do is we're trying to replicate game two and three in oh, the World right. Cup. 
just so we can uh, understand the the timing of the travel, uh, the the trainings, uh, games. We're going to play the same stadiums, get familiar with the stadiums, uh, travel back. So, uh, like I said, everything that that happens is uh, for a reason. From the from uh, the, the when we get there, when we travel, when we travel to Wellington, and all of that. But then we play. Um, the three games uh, in she believes uh, incredible opponents uh, in uh, Canada, Brazil and Japan and uh, all three opponents are first very good quality but also they give us a lot of different challenges i mean the type uh, type of uh, soccer that uh, they can display or the, the style of play that uh, that they have the philosophy also gives uh, give us different challenges uh, and uh, we expect those uh, to see those challenges when we uh, when we play uh, hopefully after the group stage uh, games or in the knockout knockout stage, and uh, then uh, after that, uh, obviously the team uh, the the players are starting into uh, their their season, so they're gonna they're gonna start getting a good quality minutes in, into the game, and then we're gonna we're gonna get them in the camps um, April and uh, pre World Cup camp. Is it tough for you to juggle the schedule of the National Women's Soccer League, um, you know, practices, season games against the U.S. Women's National Team schedule? Or is that something you're just used to at this point? Yes, uh, we're used to it, but never, never happy with it. Uh, yeah. Because uh, just like now, we we go to... Uh, we go to New Zealand. We're probably going to have four trainings uh, in two games. You go in, she believes we're going to, we're not going to have any more trainings than that. So the trainings are very, very limited. Uh, even though sometimes it looks like, Oh, we're going to be together for uh, 12 days. E- yes. But uh, it takes two days to get to New Zealand. Right. Uh, we got to have day off at some point. Uh, uh, we, we have a game, we have a you know recovery day after the game. So when you start adding all that up, we end up with three or four trainings and uh, it's not any better in the, in the, it's not going to be any better in the following camp. So we are probably uh, sitting at about 18 or 19 trainings and that's all we have uh, until the world cup. So every, every minute is, uh, is so, so important. Every, every training is crucial now. And uh, we, uh, we try not to waste literally, any, any second, any minute that we spend, any second that we spend with the players, everything is uh, pre-planned and organized uh, to to the point where we uh, we can help them or we deliver uh, a very important information because uh, we understand that uh, once they go into their teams, you got to be respectful to the to to their markets and times that they, they spend in their markets, and we cannot uh, or we don't want to overwhelm them with meetings, Zoom calls, or uh, any more um, any more tests. Yeah, things are about to get real crazy for you. Yes, uh, I mean they they started getting crazy, uh, like I said, after the uh, after the Concacaf mm-hmm. uh, uh, qualifiers. But uh, as we get closer closer, they're getting uh, a little bit crazier, but a lot more stressful. And you, did you help with the U.S. men's team over in the World Cup um, over the last month or so? Yes, okay. yes, uh, I was there uh, for about uh, three and a half weeks um, uh, with the uh, opposition scouting group. Uh, I was in the environment uh, and had a chance to to see it uh, firsthand. I, it was an incredible, uh, incredible experience. Uh, first uh, for me personally, obviously 
to see what it you know what is it like to to be in the World Cup, what is it like to to go through the process, preparation, uh, the environment inside, but also to to feel the games, the buzz, the 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 stress, uh, and uh, how you know how to handle all of this, and uh, also as a group uh, we also had another another project, and that's. Uh, trying to project uh, where the game is going to go or the the involvement the uh, of the game because usually uh historically if you look back world cup is uh, what uh, uh what creates the changes or yes. the moment that we see the biggest involvement uh, of the game and um, sometimes uh, we see because the 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 Women World Cup is right after the Men's World Cup. A year after that, we can see some of those trends uh, right. translate, or being a little bit, being even a little bit more, um, uh, more sophisticated, just because teams has, uh, have had a year to work on it. So that's why it was important for us to see if we can predict some of those uh, changes, if we can predict some of those uh, moments, uh, and uh, help us prepare for the World Cup. Well, coach, I'm incredibly excited. I know the time change is going to make some of the viewer viewership a little bit strange, but it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to be locked in and I, I just could not be excited, more excited for you and the team. Um, I know you have limited time and I don't, I don't, I want to be respectful of that, but I have one last question for you before you go. I know you're a big chiefs fan, Kansas city chiefs fan. How do you feel about the team this year? What have you, oh do you like God. what you see so far? Yes. I love it. I was at the game, uh, on Christmas Eve too. And yeah. it was oh, incredible. it was so cold. Was so cold. Yes, but uh, it was great. Uh, what a good game. And uh, once again, uh, obviously uh, we won the game, but once again, it was a good atmosphere. You know, Kansas City showed up uh, no matter how cold it is and uh, what day of the of the year it is. You know, the the, the, the fans were there and uh, it, it was good. I mean, I, I just love it. I can't, you know, can't wait to see him in the, in the last two games. Uh, the next one, Broncos at home. Uh, we got we got to do well that one. And your home base is Kansas City, right? That is correct. Okay, so yeah, you uh, have the Kansas City current there, who my family, my girls are big fans of, and a World Cup to look forward to there. So it's a good place to be, Kansas City, right now. Yes, it's always a good place to be in Kansas City. <laughs> That's true. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Coach, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I'm so excited for you. You are a great ambassador of the game, and we're going to be cheering loud for you here at Iowa. Yes, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, and uh, all the best uh, in uh, Iowa, Iowa sports, and uh, Iowa, uh, Iowa soccer. Thank you. Yep, thank you.